Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show, I am your host, Grant Bills, 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM, or streaming live anywhere in the world at WKTYsports.com. Any of you out there listening on our mobile app as well, thanks for tuning in. But no matter how you're listening, wherever you're listening, hope you're having a killer Tuesday. Thanks for making this show a part of it. I, I'm having a busy day today. I got, I got a million different things going on. I stand up late last night. To watch the uh, the Yankees Red Sox game, God, I don't know why, and the and the uh, the Redskins and the uh, the Saints. <laughs> Once again, God, I don't know why. Um, and then today, got a, a million different things going on. So those of you who don't know, I, I don't want to be repetitive. I don't want to feel like I'm repeating myself. But if you're new to the program, you don't know me, don't know what I'm about. I'm a student over at UWL, so I got got a bunch of classes, got a lot of deadlines this week, and then tonight we have intramural flag football, which is just wonderful seeing that we have a flood watch going on right now and some severe weather in the area. I'm sure you've heard alerts. Hopefully the show won't be updated, but if there is some uh, some emergency uh, news that's got to go out, that is uh, that's the way she goes. You guys need to know about that. So that's my Tuesday. It's nice to just sit down and be able to talk uh, talk sports for a while with you fine people. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you want to join in, you can do so by phone or by text. Um, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to be joined by Bart Winkler of 105.7 FM, the fan morning show host down there in Milwaukee. He was at game one and two of the NLDS um, and was planning to go to game five if the, uh, if the series came back, which of course we all know now it did not. So he was there not only for those two games, but for the clinching game in Chicago and uh, and the one, well, they didn't play the one game wild card. So just the clinching game in Chicago, he was there as well. Part of a couple locker room celebrations. So we get to ask him about all that and the excitement that is just beaming out of Milwaukee and uh, across the entire state of Wisconsin. So we now are, are the, the playoff picture, at least the championship series picture is now coming together. We now know what we expected and what we kind of, not assumed, you, you never know what can happen, but what we expected was probably the Dodgers to close it out against the Braves. That's exactly what they did. So the National League Championship Series will be held between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Milwaukee Brewers. By the way, Dodgers, third consecutive NLCS, the fourth in six years. Dodgers have had uh, some good postseason success. No World Series to show for it, but nevertheless, some good World Series success. Last night in a post-game interview, Yasiel Puig, I'm sure some of you may have heard this, had this to say in his locker room interview. Take a listen. We're Milwaukee. We're going to be Milwaukee too. Four games. And the World Series again. So Yasiel Puig, do you call that bulletin board material? Or maybe that's a thing of a... Of generations past, I hear that a lot with my dad, and when we were when I was you know playing basketball in middle school or, or doing sports, or coaches and parents always said that. I don't hear a lot of people my age saying that now, but you know you, you're always told not to give the opponent bulletin board material, unless of course you're so confident that you don't think it matters, which I'm sure in the case of Yasiel Puig is exactly what he thinks. I kind of like this because I'm of the belief that uh, that the Dodgers are the better team. I think they have better players top to bottom. Look, I think I think the Brewers have the better bullpen. And I think Christian Yelich might still be the best player in this this series. Manny Machado is up there. But I think the Brewers still have the best player. However, when you start stacking these rosters together, 
Dodgers have got a lot of guys who not only have performed at a high level and been really good players, but have done so in the playoffs and in World Series as a part of multiple different teams. And you really like that. But Yasiel Puig, uh, he's staying confident. Giving the Brewers maybe something to motivate themselves if they needed anything else. Also, something we didn't talk about yesterday, Jesus Aguilar in uh, in Game 3, the clinching game, after hitting that bomb against the Rockies, as he crosses home plate, had this to say, speaking of interviews and uh, bulletin board material, had this to say, crossing home plate against the Rockies catcher. Yeah, you. <laughs> it, it goes quick. Two expletives. Something your team and something you. Check that one more time. Oops, hold on, never mind. One more time. I don't have a producer to blame. This is it's if, if something goes wrong, it's my fault. Just just think of it that way. Uh Hazy Sagular one more time crossing home plate. <laughs> Neither one of these teams lacking in confidence. Not at all. Yasiel Puig one more time last night. We're Milwaukee. We're going to be Milwaukee too. Four gangs. And the World Series again. To which Jesus Aguilar has this to say. <laughs> We can see some we can see some tempers. We can see some attitude in this series. And I'm hoping we see exactly that. This uh this series, of course, yet to begin between the Dodgers and the Brewers, already has that David and Goliath narrative being pushed uh, by just about everybody. And it's hard not to. I, I believe Los Angeles is the second largest market in baseball behind New York. I will check that over the break and and we're gonna talk about that to close the show as well in terms of market size, but um definitely not in the same <laughs> I was going to say in the same uh, in the same ballpark. They're not even in the same city comparing Milwaukee to Los Angeles. So that's going to be the narrative. Uh, I've already heard it floated around a couple of times. And that's going to be the series. In terms of the American League, for those who are interested, Boston absolutely hung one on New York last night. Uh, what was it? 16 to 1? I just had, yeah, 16 to 1 last night, including a cycle from, uh, I believe his name is Brock Holt. Brock Holt hit for the first cycle in MLB postseason history as the Red Sox dropped 16 in Yankee Stadium on the Bronx Bombers, which is really funny. I'm not going to lie. I don't really care who wins. I don't want to see the Red Sox or the Yankees in the World Series, and I'm sure a lot of you think the exact same thing. But CC Zabathia going tonight for the Yanks in an elimination game. We'll see what he is able to do. Last night, Houston also hanging one on Cleveland, winning 11-3, and the Dodgers clinching against Atlanta uh, 6-2. So the Indians and the Braves both losing last night. The Yankees <laughs> lose 16-1. to It's not that I'm a Yankees hater. I'm a big market hater. And the Yankees are, are just a walking personification of a big market and everything that it embodies. So that's uh, that's what I think, if you cared. 608-796-2558 if you want to chime in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, like I said, we're going to talk to Bart Winkler of Sports Radio 105.7 FM The Fan down in the beautiful city of Milwaukee. And we're going to hear from him, his experiences, not only at the ballpark, but just what's going on down there. Because if we can feel the excitement over here in Lacrosse and into Minnesota, I want to know what's going on down there. Uh, after that interview, we're going to get into a little bit of Packers talk. I do want to talk about a couple things. Uh, some of you who may follow uh, the, the Athletic, it's it's growing all the time. A lot of good writers on the team, Michael Cohen, Jesse Temple, um, and a lot of others. Eric Name, by the way, of ESPN Milwaukee just became the Bucks beat writer. So you have a good group of writers to follow now for the Athletics, specifically to, uh, to for Wisconsin teams. Ben Fennell, a guy who breaks down tape uh, for NFL Network and, and is a contributor to the Athletic, um, the Wisconsin portion of the Athletic, had a tweet yesterday, and it might be my favorite Packers take that I've seen yet this year. And it's about Aaron Rodgers. It might it might be my favorite tweet and my favorite take, and I'm going to steal it. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about it on the show coming up at about 5:30 or shortly after. We'll see how many words Bart has to say uh, regarding 
the NLCS-bound Milwaukee Brewers. By the way, if you haven't already, get in on that NLCS ticket giveaway. You still have a little bit of time up. I see people posting every day, whether it's on our Facebook page or at our Twitter page, where you can follow us at WKTY. Everybody is entering to win those NLCS tickets. We have a couple of them. We're giving them away. You got to go to WKTYsports.com. And there's a lot. I mean, while you're there, there's a bunch of great stuff to check out. You can hear this show in podcast form each and every day. It's updated. Dave and Scrady got stuff on there. Kevin Millard, our outdoor show on the weekends on there. Our full schedule of programming that we air, our local programming. It is a sports fan's haven, especially if you're into local sports from this area. Not only that, but you can, like I said, Enter to win the tickets at WKTYsports.com. Those tickets, talking about ticket prices, holy smokes, not only for the NLCS, but uh, but for the the possibility of a World Series, dare I say. I, you know, four games away, four wins away, I think it's fair to at least ponder with that possibility. I don't think I'm jinxing it. I don't think I'm, I'm uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing. We can think about it. We can hope, and uh, we can hope uh, all along the ride that this Brewers team goes on through the NLCS, which gets underway on Friday. When we come back on the Wisco Sports Show, we're going to talk to Bart Winkler, like I said, of the fan down in Milwaukee, get his thoughts and takes on this Brewers team, including his reaction and things that he saw and heard in that locker room because he was part of a couple of celebrations and a couple of really big games. We'll talk to Bart coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I'm your host, Grant Bills, here on WKTY. We're keeping the Brewers talk going. As we look forward to the NLCS, which gets kicked off on Friday. And I want to say thank you and good luck, A, to the people who have bought those tickets to the bus trips, which have sold out so quickly and have entered to win uh, the tickets for the NLCS as well. So a lot of ways uh, that we're taking people over from lacrosse to Milwaukee. And speaking of Milwaukee, we are joined by Bart Winkler, morning show host of 105.7 FM, The Fan. Bart, thanks for taking a couple minutes. What's going on? Oh, just excited, man. Uh, I've always said that, the, the city of Milwaukee, at its core, when when the beast awakens, is a baseball town, and it's certainly feeling like it right now. It's it's really cool, and I I feel that way because I think we're used to the Packers being pretty good. I didn't live through the '80s, so I'm I'm sorry if <laughs> if you're going to judge me for that. But the Badgers are always pretty good, but the Brewers aren't good very often. What's different this year? I mean, how does the city have a different feel? What's different with fans? Like this is the first time in a while since they've been this good. They, it's the first time they've been this good in a while, and also I think that I think that this team, for whatever reason, and it could be the Brewers' marketing, it could be the nature of how the games have been, it could be the fact that they had home field, and you know you add another home game to that first series. But it seems like it does seem like more there's more bandwagon fans this time around, or more more fringe fans that are realizing, hey, this is a pretty fun thing to do to root for the, the Brewers team, and I'm totally cool with that. I went to my dental hygienist last week on Wednesday, and I said, yeah, how you doing, how you doing? She's <laughs> like, I'm just so pumped still from the game at Wrigley Field, and we talked Brewers for, you know, five minutes. Oh, and hell she's yeah. got dental instruments in my mouth. It's just wherever you go, people want to talk Brewers, and if you are standing next to someone in an elevator or whatever – and it's quiet, you can just say, so uh, you think Jonathan Scope's going to be on the postseason roster next series? And then you'll talk <laughs> for 20 minutes and become best friends. It's just really, really cool right now. That's fantastic. I walk around campus, and when you see Milwaukee Brewers jerseys uh, with jeans and with sweatshirts under them, that's typically a pretty good sign. Uh, I want to go back before we start to look forward to the NLCS. Let's talk about you were in the postseason, or you were in the locker room, not only when they clinched 
a postseason berth, but when they clinched uh, the division against the Cubs, what what was that like? I mean, what is the team like up close, and how cool of an experience was that? Yeah, I got to be there when they clinched a playoff spot in St. Louis, and uh, just I went to cover the game for our radio station, knowing that maybe that would be the night they clinched a playoff spot, and it was... It was a tense game, and, and granted, they had a few more chances to get in that playoff spot, and it was at that point, it was about a certainty. But up to that point, and this is one thing that Eric Kratz, who's become just a darling of uh, everybody, has said. He says, we are celebrating tonight the 159 games we've played. We're ready for the next three. We're ready for whatever comes after that. But we're celebrating the 159. And by all accounts, that party, that locker room, the dancing there, the champagne, that was the most sort of insane of the three. Got to be there in Chicago. Uh, if you don't know much about Wrigley Field, they have a beautiful home club locker room for the Cubs. And you think of your smallest room in your house. <laughs> the, the Cubs visiting locker room is half that size. So it was real cramped, but real fun, real intimate. Wasn't able to be out there in Denver. But, uh, I mean, we've seen the same things that you guys have. It just it looks... It looks incredible. It's a fun team. They all truly are good people from any account, from anything I can tell you. You know, sometimes you fall in love with these teams and you hear something about a Packer you don't like or something about a Buck you don't like yeah. or even a Badger. But I'm telling you, man, this, this is such a good group of guys and it's as hard as it is to build together the, the makeup of a team for who's going to get me this inning, who's going to be my second baseman. They've also managed to build a team that really does get along with each other. And chemistry in baseball, you either have it or you don't, and this team's got it. I, I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Going back to what you said about Wrigley, I don't remember if it was something that you said on your show or something you tweeted about. I don't remember. But I, I felt so satisfied as a Brewers fan and as someone who also hates the Cubs. I don't hate Cubs fans, at least not the ones that live up here. It's not a personal <laughs> thing. I just hate the team. Uh, you made mention of after the celebration, the players' kids were out on Wrigley Field treating it like their playground. And I, you you made it sound like that was disrespectful. That was one of the most satisfying, entertaining things I could have heard. Oh, I didn't. I mean, no, it was cool. I just, it was so cool after the game because they lingered around for a little bit. I think yeah. the game ended around 3, and their buses were at 5, 5.30. And all their families are there. It's just a short drive from Milwaukee. So you've got some time. The players went out and took pictures. And the kids, I just thought it was so neat that the kids, are running around on hallowed Wrigley Field. Yeah. Everything that that field has seen. And there's three-year-old Hernan Perez's kid or whoever just running the bases as if it were just a day at the park. And all the families together. I just I thought that was a really neat moment for a kid to not have any idea what he's running on. Yeah. Because I got to be on that field. I ran on it to video the celebration. And you know you're in work mode. But there was a point where I looked down at the field and I thought, oh, wow, uh, this is Wrigley Field that my shoes are underneath. And it's a really cool moment. The kids didn't have any of that, and I just think that innocence was such a cool moment for the team and for their families. I, I really like hearing about players' families because with this Brewers team, it is it is all good stuff. i, I got to ask you as we look towards the NLCS, what topics this week, because we don't have Brewers baseball, we don't have games to break down or box scores to try to decipher. What's the narrative this week? What what are you talking about? What do people want to talk about this week as we continue to look forward to Friday? I think there's a lot of intrigue into the roster. They can change it uh, from the roster they had against the Rockies. 
and that was a roster where they only kept 11 pitchers, which most of the season a baseball team will keep at least 12, 13, maybe even sometimes 14. The Brewers only kept 11 for those three games, and they didn't use three of them. So you're going to see, is Zach Davies going to get called back up? Could Chase Anderson get a start here? Are those guys deserving? Was Freddie Peralta just the guy that was there for the Rockies series? Does Xavier Cedeno, another great reliever out of their pen, find a way on? Jonathan Scope is a guy that, that I mentioned before, but you know he's the guy that came over in the trade deadline. They just have not used him a lot, and they only used him, I think, once to pinch hit in that series. Does he become the odd man out for one of these pitchers to get back on the roster? There's a lot of intrigue there, and there's a lot of intrigue trying to look back at the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers are a team that the Brewers lost. Four of seven, two, so it was pretty split. The yeah. last time they saw each other, though, was in L.A. It was a 21-5 victory for the Dodgers. You've got the Manny Machado storyline where the Brewers were in on him. He gets traded to the Dodgers instead. Dodgers don't get to the NLCS without Manny Machado. The Brewers did, but the Dodgers don't. Now, will he be the X Factor in the World Series? I think that's something very interesting to watch. And then the Dodgers starting pitching is really good. But the Brewers' bullpen is very, very good. So it's going to be an interesting matchup kind of getting through that fifth inning for the Dodgers and the Brewers. There's just going to be a lot of good baseball, man, and, and we're excited to get it going. I remember that 21-5 to loss that the Brewers had to the Dodgers. I was actually in here board-opping the game, and I wanted – it was a busy night as it was. I wanted nothing more than to go home. And there were times during that game I think Kratz and Perez both pitched that I wanted to put my head through the glass door. It was awful. So that is the one lasting impression I have of Dodgers Brewers so far this year. Do you think do you think the Dodgers have a better roster? I, I do. That doesn't mean I think they're gonna win, but I think top to bottom they have a better roster. What do you say? I think they might have the edge. I mean, their lineup is very good. We we shouldn't be, you know, just like they shouldn't be dismissing Lorenzo Kane or Mike Musakis, we shouldn't be dismissing Justin Turner. No. Uh Yasmani Grandal's been very good against the Brewers, Matt Kemp has kind of resurged. This is a team that's in the NLCS for their third straight year. They made the World Series a year ago. So, yeah, they're a very good team. I think where the Dodgers have some strength, too, is they are pretty rich in starting pitching. Clayton Kershaw is the obvious name. Uh, Walker Buehler has been very good, although he got touched up the other day. But what it's done is put some of their guys that would start on other teams and put them into the bullpen, like a Kenta Maeda. So, I think their pitching staff, I mean, as good as the Brewers is, the Dodgers really aren't that far behind. I'd give the Brewers an edge on the bullpen. I'd give a Brewers, I'd give them the edge in the outfield with Bron Yelich and Kane. But you can make arguments uh, all the way around the, the diamond. It, it's, a, it's a good matchup. I know there's the David Goliath narrative because yeah. the Dodgers are able to spend more than the Brewers. But talent by talent, I think it's, it's pretty even. You can give the Dodgers the edge if you want. But it is pretty even. It should be, it should be a good series. I don't know if anyone's going to take it in four or five. I no matter what Yasiel Puig thinks, <laughs> I think this is this is almost written to go six or seven. So uh, last question for you: We have a, a busload of people coming from Lacrosse over on Saturday. We got some tickets we're giving away. I know a lot of people are, are trying to get to come see these playoff games from this side of the state. I haven't been to a Brewer game, and I'm hopefully going to be there on Saturday. I haven't been to one since July when they walked it off against the Twins back when Nate Orf and Brad Miller were still on this team. What can we expect now? It's been months since some of us have been over there, and now we're saying we got to fork up some money. You never know when they're going to be back here again. Let's go experience it. What can we expect at Miller Park this upcoming weekend? 
Well, I know. I mean, that's been such a great feature of the roof is that if you do live three hours away, oh, you my can gosh, plan yes. a day to to come to the game and, and know that you're going to see a baseball game. So that's been a huge boon for them across the state. But if you're coming on Saturday, it's going to be game two. Be prepared to stand more than you sit. And and don't if if anyone gives you guff about it, don't let them have it. And if you don't know if you should be standing or not, Stand. stand that that team is feeding off of you at home be ready it's gonna i mean you go to a baseball game if you go, if you went in june or july it's more of a social type thing you watch some innings you get a drink you meet a buddy oh you live in milwaukee let's hang out for an inning not not see the game no every pitch matters so if you go there i mean if you want to have a little picnic stay outside this is going to be some intense baseball and if you're lucky enough to get a seat because tickets are increasing by the minute uh, have a great time, man, and just enjoy the day. I'm hopefully going to be there on Saturday with our bus trip <clears throat> that we're bringing from uh, from WKTY. But <laughs> you're talking to a guy who likes to stand and scream at a Bucks game in uh, from the upper deck of the Bradley Center in December. So I'm I'm ready to go, and I hope the rest of the people we do bring as well because I can't stand it. Uh, Brews walked it off in July against the Twins. Bases loaded in the bottom of the 11th or 12th, and people wouldn't stand up. Yeah, it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. Baseball playoffs are so different. You saw it in the Cubs game with that one game where all the stakes were on it. You saw it in the wild card game if you watch Rockies-Cubs. It's just crazy how you can take a sport where there's always another day and you've got to plan for that day to everything matters right now. We have to, we have to get this out. Oh. We have to get this strike. It's intense, and it's fun, and it might be just maybe the best playoffs that we have as a sporting country. So just Get there, have fun. Uh, I can tell you, as an aside, I went to games one and two in the seats. They made the old fashions way stronger than I was expecting <laughs> if you get the double shot. So if you're looking to have a real good time, that is where I would go, the old fashions on the first and third base line. Well, the booze isn't going to stay good over the winter. they got to get rid of it all before the Brewers wrap yeah. up here in the postseason. Yeah, That's Bart. A good point. I didn't think about it that. is it is a good point. I'll see you. Uh, well, I won't see you. I hope to not like see you on the jumbotron or something on Saturday if I do get over there for the game. I don't have tickets yet. I'm I'm not uh, on the coverage beat. I don't have tickets yet, so I may not see you at all. Oof. Well, I, I hope you can find a way to that. Man, that that stinks. Tell pull some strings, Bart. Make it happen. How do I sign up for this WKTY bus trip? Well, it was sold out last week, Bart. If if I would have known, I mean it. It's a little silly that we would we would pick you up after driving for about three hours, but uh, maybe there's room for oh, I'd you. Come back to lacrosse. I'd love it. <laughs> come back and visit in lacrosse. Bart Winkler, uh, Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Good luck trying to get to the game this weekend and enjoy. I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to join me. Yeah, same to you, bud. We'll talk later. Go Brewers, Bart, and, and thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. Good coverage, and it's nice to have somebody who is, who's been in that locker room and talked to those players because, let's face it, I can talk on the radio, I can push buttons, I can hold a conversation, and I can talk to you, but I cannot, at this point in my life, talk to Brewers players. I cannot be in the locker room getting champagne dumped on my head. Maybe one day, although on Saturday, if you're coming on the bus and the Brewers win, we're going to be dumping something. I don't know if we're going to splurge for champagne, but we're going to be dumping something. Let's just say that. So we'll keep you uh, keep you in the loop, keep you prepared as we get excited and we move towards the NLCS coming up uh, at the end of this week. That's underway, obviously, on Friday. If you haven't signed up to win tickets, do so at WKTYsports.com. As far as the Brewers talk goes today, that's going to be it. We're going to 
start to re-dig into Packers. We're going to pick open that wound coming up here in a couple of minutes, including something that I saw on Twitter today from Ben Fennel, writer for the uh, the Wisconsin Athletic. He is tremendous, and it's I love this take so much that I'm going to steal it and make it my own, but I guess I'm not stealing it. I'm giving him credit. We are adapting it on the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show rolls on. Thanks one more time to Bart Winkler. Sports Radio 105.7 FM, the fan, down in the big city of Milwaukee as we continue to stay excited and and try to get ready for the upcoming NLCS, which gets underway on Friday. By the way, a couple news and notes before we move on to Packers talk. Per Adam McKelvey uh, of Brewers.com, this is 30 minutes ago, Brewers are working out at Miller Park today, including, including a live batting practice for Junior Guerra, Zach Davies, and Freddie Peralta. Now, remember, as we just talked about, the Brewers kept 11 pitchers in that previous series, but both the words of pretty much anybody who knows baseball and Craig Council himself said, obviously, you have to approach a seven-game series differently. Maybe that means including another starting pitcher. Maybe that means just simply keeping Guerra and Peralta in there and, and pitching them more. Who knows? But it is of note that Davies, Guerra, and Peralta all through live batting practice today. No, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. Nobody has chimed in yet today. So if anybody wants to be the first as we uh, as we usher in the Packer talk here, I would welcome that with open arms and uh, and say thank you. I said earlier, I saw a tweet on Twitter. It's, it's from Ben Fennell. Writes for uh, the Wisconsin Athletic as well as uh, um, NFL Network. He works uh, for the Eagles. He works for ESPN College Football. Does a lot of stuff. Watches a lot of football. And this is what he had to say on Sunday. Sunday. A couple days ago. After the Packer game. He said, Aaron Rodgers is frustrating. Improvisation and throwing from awkward arm angles slash platforms should be a secondary, in all caps, skill set. Not a primary, in all caps, skill set. I feel his unwillingness to play within structure and without sound mechanics are greatest slash worst aspects of his game at the same time. I don't have an applause sound effect. I'm just, I'm just going to clap. That's that's one of the best things I've ever read. Is it not? And Packers fans, look, we love Aaron Rodgers. I think he is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. I think he is the best quarterback that I've seen in my lifetime. I think he's uber amounts better than Tom Brady. I think he's better than Drew Brees. He doesn't win the same amount of games. A, he doesn't have the the best the best coach in NFL history, at least in the modern era, and Bill Belichick. But there is something to be said for being willing to play within a system. Now, Brady may be more willing to play in Belichick's system, knowing that he is, you know, Bill Belichick after all. But there is something to be said for, all right, I don't need to flash. I don't need to make crazy plays. I'm just going to take what the offense is designed to give me. And we're going to score a lot of points and we're going to win a lot of games. I might not be throwing up crazy highlights. I might not be winning people their fantasy leagues. But there's something to be said for fitting into a system. So we go back yesterday to what we were talking about in terms of, hey, is this on Mike McCarthy? Is this on Aaron Rodgers? Is Aaron Rodgers, is he resisting to play within a system? You watch him all the time. He rarely sets his feet. He sometimes doesn't hit the open read that's designed for him. We saw how many times on Sunday did we watch Aaron Rodgers pass up a wide open crossing route across the middle? Or or instead of giving it to the check down on third and one, launching one 20 yards down the field for somebody into double coverage, trying to fit a ball in because he knows he's Aaron Rodgers and he can do it. Is that the problem? Or is it, 
Mike McCarthy doesn't have a good game plan. He doesn't utilize his weapons. And he's just stubborn. And I'm here to say today, these aren't mutually exclusive events or problems. Aaron Rodgers can be unwilling to play within a system while Mike McCarthy is stubborn and refuses to use his best players for whatever reason. And I think that's the case. I think it is a little bit of both. And Ben Fennell in this tweet, I I think really sums up exactly why Aaron Rodgers can be so frustrating and so unbelievably brilliant at the same time. But what he says is improvisation and throwing from awkward arm angles should be a secondary skill set, not a primary skill set. In other words, that should be something that he pulls out of his pocket when you know what hits the fan and you got to get 20 yards on third and 21 like it was against the Cowboys in the playoffs or like he did against the Lions in 2015, 2013 when he threw that 15, when he threw that crazy Hail Mary. That's when you pull that out. That's when you improvise. That's when you throw off an awkward platform or use a crazy arm angle. Not on second and six in Detroit in week five or six. It's a secondary skill set, not a primary skill set. I love this tweet. You ever, uh, do you ever have an emotion or a feeling and uh, you're trying to explain it to someone? I do this to my roommates all the time. I come home from class or I come, and I'm just I'm fed up with something and I don't know how to put it into words. And then they say it and you go, yes, right there. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Write what you just said. That's how I that's how I feel about this. Ben Fennell. His unwillingness to play within structure and without sound mechanics are the greatest and worst aspects of his game at the same time. I think that's brilliant. And I do think that the Packers do have a couple problems. Number one, I think Mike McCarthy is unbelievably stubborn. He knows he likes Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery, and those guys have, have done well for him in the past. And he wants to keep those guys, protect those guys, keep them in the lineup, and uphold his precious rotation of running backs. But I think on the other hand, Mike McCarthy also is simply ignoring the fact that Aaron Jones is electric. He's a crazy good running back. And the unwillingness to at least give him a slight edge in terms of carries, or by, if nothing else, just make sure he is the, the first running back to take the field. It would be like Christian Yelich hitting sixth in the lineup. Yeah, he might get the same amount of at-bats as the guy hitting leadoff. Maybe, probably not, but maybe. But you can ensure that he gets as many at-bats as possible by hitting him in the one-hole or the two-hole. Do you understand? We compared yesterday the style, the coaching style of Craig Council. And if we if we take that and we adapt it to the Green Bay Packers, the priority becomes using your best players. Making the other team beat you by beating your best players. In other words, if Mike McCarthy is going to lose and they're going to lose to Detroit, Detroit has to stop Aaron Jones. They have to stop Devontae Adams and they have to stop Jimmy Graham. And that just hasn't been the case. You partner that, that stubborn, non-adaptive, and sometimes just plain uninspired game planning of Mike McCarthy and coaching style of Mike McCarthy, and you pair that with a quarterback who sometimes approaches the position a little nonchalantly, likes to throw off his back foot, maybe throws it sidearm, because he knows that most of the time he can make that throw. He ignores the check down or the wide open six-yard drag route because he knows he's Aaron Rodgers and he just might be able to fit that football in right on top of the back pylon 40 yards down the field. Maybe. Because after all, he is Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think as Packers fans, as, as we try to wrap our minds around why the Packers are 2-2-1, two, two, and one, Although if you watch the games, it becomes clear. It's it's not any less frustrating, but it becomes clear why they're 2-2-1. Two, two, and, and we try to assign blame because that's what we do. We're human beings, right? 
Does it go on Mike McCarthy or does it go on Aaron Rodgers? These aren't mutually exclusive problems. They can coexist and be detrimental to this football team at the same time. Now, that being said, I really like what Mike Pettin's doing. Can I just come out and say that? I like what this defense has been doing, and I think when they get healthy, uh, especially in that secondary, which hopefully Kevin King can do, I think they are going to have a top 15 defense consistently. And isn't that what Packers fans have been asking for all along? We've just wanted a top 15 defense. That's all we've been looking for. And I think this year they're going to get it. I think that that defense has played like a top 15 defense at times. They've shown flashes. They've had bad plays, as any defense does, but it's just the nature of things. 608-796-2558. We're talking Packers. And why exactly is it that they are losing to the Lions, who were only a one-win team previously, and the Redskins on the road, and uh, and tying the Minnesota Vikings? This, the, the solution to me seems simple. Now, I'm not the one who has to take the abstract ideas of which we talk about on this program and put, you know, put rubber to the road, draw up plays, you know, game plan, and do things like that. That being said, me and my limited football knowledge in terms of X's and O's, a couple things that I would do. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. And if you do, you should chime in. You can do it on the phone number that I just gave you, the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can also tweet at the program at WKTY. Or at my personal account, at Keystroker Grant. A couple options uh, to get in touch with me and to get in touch with the Wisco Sports Show. Here's what I would do. And I've heard others say the same thing. I, I think this is this is pretty standard. Number one, I would, if I was Mike McCarthy, I would draw up 10 plays. And, and Holmgren used to do this with Brett Favre. I would drop 10 plays to have at the beginning of the game. And they would be nothing more than designed plays to get Aaron Rodgers a couple easy completions. That's all they are. I, I don't really care if if they're for 20 yards or if they're for two yards. It's like in, in basketball. You talk about a good three-point shooter. Sometimes it's a help to get to the free throw line. right? Just get him on the free throw line, let him shoot a couple of bunnies, and let him see the ball go through the hoop. You've heard of this, right? You know, a three-point shooter who's not feeling, all right, maybe I'm going to attack the paint. I'm going to either try to get points in the paint or I'm going to try to shoot a free throw and, and see the ball go through the hoop. And mentally, that can help get a good three-point shooter clicking back, you know, get the get the wheels back on the rails. I think the same thing can be applied to quarterbacking. And, and we see that in college, we see that in high school, we see it in the NFL. I was calling, a, um, what game was it, Lacrosse Central and uh, Toma last week with Drew Kelly over at WIZM. And, and we saw it early on in the game. Coordinators and, and coaches scheming to get their quarterbacks a couple of easy throws at the beginning of the game. Just so the quarterback can see the ball out of his hand can see it into the pads and see it caught by the receiver. And you can kind of feel the wheels start to... You can feel them start to click, right? Because it's tough coming out of the gates right away, even for Aaron Rodgers, and start making brilliant throws. Get him a couple simple throws here and there. Let him see the ball go into the wide receiver's hands. Let him see it hit the pads. Get a couple of yards. Get the offense slowly churning down the field. And then that can snowball into big plays. That can snowball into wide open holes for running backs like Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. That can snowball into Jimmy Graham getting a favorable matchup, which then you can pick apart and target later on in a possession. But none of that happens if you go three and out right away because Aaron Rodgers is trying to do way too much. And that's what we've seen, right? They come out and Aaron Rodgers obviously has sky-high aspirations of what he wants to do and what he's trying to accomplish in terms of throwing the ball down the field, getting such and such player involved. Forget that. First possession, first drive is all about let's get the offense clicking, get a couple players involved, let's get not only Aaron Rodgers completing some passes, but some wide receivers catching some passes. 
and we'll start to get the offense moving and let everything else come as we go along. And I think we might see that adjustment this weekend, coming up on, on Monday night, I should say. We might. I've hoped and I've expected things from McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers team before that have just never come to fruition. And that could be the case. We'll find out together as the weeks go on here on the Wisco Sports Show. When we come back, I want to put a couple final touches on the NLCS and the NL, uh, the ALDS, excuse me, as we approach this weekend. A couple thoughts I have. We'll take your thoughts as well and just get you a couple more details as we sail off into our Tuesday evening. You've been listening to the Wisco Sports Show. One final segment coming up here with me, your host, Grant Bills on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WK2I. I am your host, Grant Bills. I hope you're having a killer Tuesday. Brewers fans, we've we've had an easy week. We've been able to kind of sit back, temper our excitement, and start to look forward to this coming weekend. We haven't really had any stress. We haven't really had any drama. You gotta like that. You gotta like that. And I, I've enjoyed, uh, for what it's worth, sitting back and watching the rest of the divisional series play out. Whether it's Boston, New York, which, by the way, I... I I'm not going to have time to watch tonight, I was about to say. I can't wait to watch that, but I'm not going to have time to watch it because we got flag football tonight. Hey, if anybody wants to see some good flag football, all right. (laughs) Soccer fields right outside. The brand new soccer fields on the campus of UW Lacrosse. Plenty of room for you. Get out there. Taking some uh, some good local sporting action tonight at UWL, by the way, if you want to see me run around being very unathletic. So I'm not going to be able to to watch that game tonight. But the NLCS uh, is set up... And uh, the Yankees got hung on last night by the Boston Red Sox. They have CC Sabathia going tonight. I do we still like CC Sabathia? First of all, he was such a lovable Brewer. But do we? Is there any connection to CC? I, I just I despise the Yankees. I despise the Red Sox as well. And I guess that's what I wanted to spend our final five minutes talking about. Unless, of course, you have a better idea. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight on the five star telecom talk and text line. It's frustrating for me. And for a lot of people who are who are fans of not only the Brewers but the Bucks as well, the Bucks it's it's a different conversation. It's a different a different set of rules that the NBA plays by versus baseball. But when you sit back and you look at the MLB playoff picture, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Astros, Boston. Do you know these are like those are like five or six of the the top ten biggest cities in the U.S. Five biggest cities in the U.S. are New York, L.A., Chicago, Houston, and then Philly. Philly's at number five, which I never would have guessed. But I feel like we all have this darling portrait of the Astros because they were so bad. They were in the National League, and they were a horrible, horrible team. And they switched leagues. They tore it down, and they rebuilt it the right way. You know how many times have you heard that said? And now they're the World Series champs, and they have so many great players, and I, we have embraced them that like they're the small market, you know, hero story. They're not. Houston is the fourth largest city in the U.S. Houston is massive, just like Chicago, just like Los Angeles, and just like New York. Which, by the way, three of those four teams are still in the playoffs. You have three of the four largest cities in the country being represented in uh, their respective conferences championship series and like we talked about earlier this is nothing new the Dodgers have been to three straight they've won four of six and they are the largest market the largest city by population in the National League so as baseball fans I don't know I don't care how the people in LA feel that seems a little unfair feels a little unfair and I know this is coming at a a bad time 
given the fact that the Brewers are actually in the NLCS. But the conversation is, well, the Dodgers were the team that pulled the pulled the trigger on Manny Machado and the Brewers just weren't willing to. Well, you know why? Because the Dodgers could take a bath with Manny Machado's contract. They could sell their farm to get Manny Machado because you know what? Let's say Manny does want to leave at the end of the year. Those prospects mean nothing to the Dodgers because they can go out and buy whoever they want anyways. If the Brewers go get Manny Machado and they give away their farm, let's say they gave away Corbin Burns and Keston Hira and Corey Ray. That sinks their team for 10 years. And you are asking these teams to play by the same rules, to play the same game by the same rules. But in the front office, players, player acquisition, it's a completely different set of rules. Everyone starts at a different starting point. There's levels of privilege. There's levels of not privilege. Los Angeles. And they're like, well, if Manny Machado was the difference, you, you know where the Brewers went wrong. Can you fault the Brewers? Really, can anybody fault the Brewers for not going out and getting Manny Machado? The Cubs, they signed Hugh Darvish to a six-year deal worth how many millions of dollars? If the Brewers did that and and Hugh Darvish failed out, they're done. Remember what the Twins did with Joe Maurer? I still have friends who are Twins fans who say that deal, that big deal that they gave Joe Maurer, that's what sunk the Twins, and that's why they're bad. I think they're bad for more than one reason, just in case you uh, you were wondering. But but that's what I have to think. Let's go to the five-star telecom talk and text line. Good afternoon. Good evening, caller. You're on the air. What do you think? What football game were you watching on Sunday? Uh, the, uh, the, you're referring to the Packer game, I'm assuming? Well, of course. Yeah. Everybody knows turnovers and special teams are going to dictate a game. We did everything but but take care of special teams and turnovers. Killed him in offensive yardage. Played great defense. Gave him the ball on the one. Gave him the ball on the thirty. They did do that. Uh, if I was if I was chewing on anybody, it would be the receivers coach, because our subs that came in for our two hurt guys didn't know what they were doing. And I don't care if you're Johnny Unitas and and uh, Tom Brady and and uh, Aaron Rodgers all wrapped up into one. If the guys are standing there next to each other on the field, one guy can cover two. And um, it was just a sad exhibition on the, on the special teams, uh, awful play on the turnovers, and some wide receivers that just destroyed what should have been uh, continued offensive explosions. Now, what do you think of that? <laughs> I think that's the best call of the week. I appreciate your thoughts. Thank you for sharing. I, I will say a couple of things. There's not a lot of things that you said I disagree with. Number one, turnover battle has won, pack, has won games for the Packers for a long time. Mike McCarthy preaches that because he knows that with a good quarterback and an average supporting cast at best, if you win the turnover battle, you can win a lot of games. And Mike McCarthy said, we got to get back to that. That was, you go back to the run the table year, they started uh, four and, four, well, not four and six, but they started poorly. And then they, they went on to run the table, right? And what changed? It was turnovers. They got those five turnovers in Seattle. Their defense started turning the ball over, and Aaron Rodgers started to secure the football. They went stretches where they barely ever turned the football over, and I 100% agree. Special teams, yeah. Special teams stunk on Sunday. It stunk really bad. I'm not taking anything away from that. But when you talk about killed them in offensive yardage, well, you know what? They also got shut out in the first half. So offensive yardage doesn't mean a whole lot unless there's points on the board, but I do understand Aaron Rodgers threw for 440, but you got to keep in mind as well that when you're down by 20-plus points, that the defense is going to sink, they're going to go too high, and they're going to give you underneath stuff. And yeah, they might let you march down the field, play after play after play, and slowly make your way towards the end zone, 
because they know unless you start breaking off some huge plays that you're not coming back into the game. And I think that's a little bit, we saw those inflated numbers on Sunday, I think, due in part to that. Now, they did start playing a little bit better in terms of wide receivers, and we'll continue to talk about this throughout the week. I actually thought the rookie wide receivers played pretty well. I thought there was poor communication, not only from the rookies every once in a while, but Adams and Graham, guilty of, of being two men in the same spot. And that's something they're going to have to clean up. We will continue the Packers talk as the week goes on. And we'll also get you ready for the NLCS. If you haven't signed up to win those tickets from WKTY yet, do it right now at WKTYsports.com. No Wisco Sports Show tomorrow. We have an eye on the Eagles. So we're talking Eagles football with Coach Schmidt tomorrow at the Eagles Nest. If you can't stop out, make sure you're tuned in tomorrow here on WKTY. Same time, same place Thursday. Talk to you then.